0: I think that's what makes mapping so beautiful, getting people together and and making them discover what they have in common rather than all the differences that are also there and uh, discover their common humanity.
1: This week, we have uh, Aldo Damore joining with us. Um, if you haven't uh, been around the Kumu community for too long, you may have missed uh, Aldo's original uh, podcast he did with us. I think it was actually one of the first. Aldo has not been uh, resting on his laurels at all. He's been working on improving his approach, um, also has a new paper out that we'll talk through a lot and is doing a bunch of exciting work across the world. But want to just pause first for those people who haven't been uh, exposed to your work yet. Aldo, can you just give us maybe a minute background on kind of who you are and uh, the type of work that you do in the world with Kumu?
0: Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, so I have a background in community informatics. I'm really interested in how to use ICTs to empower communities. Uh, I used to be in academia and I started my own consultancy, uh, about 11 years ago, but I still keep doing research, uh, using my cases as input, and then uh, using the frameworks that i developed to help, uh, my mapping methodology building. So, uh, yeah, and I see a real uh, incredible potential in uh, mapping as a methodology for uh, connecting isolated fragments of collaboration into ever stronger fabrics uh, that really are having an impact on the world. And what I've been doing from my academic slash consultancy background is been working on a methodology which I call community sensor, uh, which uh, it's a participatory. Uh, collaboration mapping uh, methodology. And basically what it entails is that I first start mapping part of the reality of uh, the community I'm working with uh, that's relevant to them. It could be around a certain issue or a problem that they're facing. Uh, Then we start looking at the maps together to make sense. Uh, So what are the issues uh, at play? What are the Uh, priorities uh, that partners see and what are the next actions to take Uh, then they can start do their things in the world uh, whatever interventions they design as communities or whatever actions they normally do and at the end of that i return to them and see okay what was the impact of what you did and can we put that on the map as well so it's a cyclical approach that scales up collaboration to get ever more impact
1: Awesome. And uh, can you give us a quick example of the uh, number of different countries you've been at? Let's maybe say in the past year, right? Where has your work taken you?
0: Oh, it's been to, to many different uh, places. I've been working for a European Union a project on social innovation, which took me to countries like uh, France and uh, Spain, Catalonia, uh to uh, Poland. Uh, I'm also working with uh, people in Czech Republic. Uh, They're looking at how to Change the role of libraries, public libraries, to become uh, social innovation catalysts. That was in Europe, but uh, last year I also went uh, to uh, Zambia to map an international agricultural conference, which was sponsored by USAID Mm -hmm. in your country. Uh, And uh, later I returned to Southern Africa, to Malawi, where we continued work with those people to see how we could use mapping to uh, help improve collaboration across many different layers of governance in agriculture in Malawi. That's just some examples. But I've been to other places, and I hope to go to many more.
1: Fun. Well, I think that's one of the neat parts of your approach, too, is the, uh, how it's ended up being embedded in a number of different country contexts. And so maybe let's circle back as we dive uh, deeper into the paper just to pull out some of what you've experienced as different in those, um, those unique contexts. Um, sure. Sure. So um, we'll also include a link to the paper, but wanted to start first just uh, actually asking you, Aldo, to describe, um, even just walk through some of the specific terms in the title. So the title of the paper, paper is A Community Network Ontology for Participatory Collaboration Mapping Towards Collective Impact. And for me, <clears throat> I think um, you're, you're quite choiceful in what words you include here. And so I actually just wanted you to walk through and describe to us right, any specific words that are really meaningful to you in this title Two that I pulled out, right. was okay. Ontology, right. And, uh, describe that define that and kind of why that's so important to and kind of what, what participatory means to you. But if there's anything else from the title that feels like, Hey, this is a really important thing you might gloss over, but, uh, but pay attention to uh, this word and, w- and what it means. Sure.
0: Well, uh, word ontology is actually essential, uh, because, Participation, what we normally think of uh, participation in mapping is that we go, for example, to villages and work with the people there and ask them to map um, their social context or their work context or whatever things they have in common. And, of course, that's a crucial part of what participation is. But there's a precursor to that, and that's the language that they use of the types of elements and the types of connections that uh, they're going to put on the map. And what you often see in standard methodologies for, let's say, capacity building or network development or information systems development is that they have standard fixed categories for these uh, elements and uh, connections. So it's kind of often a sterile uh, feel to it, and only consultants know what they really mean, and they're alien to local communities. So the meaning of those terms is kind of uh, creating a distance uh, in terms of understanding and use. Whereas people often have their own categories to describe what matters to uh, to them. And this is exactly what ontologies are about. Ontologies, as it were, uh, the kind of the taxonomies of the, the terms that people can use. Uh, and uh, uh, what's crucial is that people themselves can say, okay, in our community, these are really important things to focus on. For example, in one community, they can say, we work with projects uh, another community can say now we work with uh, activities or actions or whatever language they use for for the processes they're involved in and it's important to to stick to their kinds of terms before you start to do the actual mapping and in this case before you start to create uh, kumu maps so what ontologies do is to help to put some order in that chaos of terminologies that people use because on the one hand you can say okay just give me your kinds of terms and, and that's it but That means you cannot compare across cases and learn from different cases and best practices in terms of what what kind of categories matter most in a context of libraries or in a context of agricultural development or what have you. So that's the paradox of communities. On the one hand, they're always about customization, about ownership, about empowerment, about tailoring to the specific terms and needs of, of their community. On the other hand, uh, you do see some patterns uh, across communities that can inspire them and that they can then tailor to their own use. So the same goes for the terminologies. So what I'm doing with the ontology here is to see, looking at many different cases that I have uh, uh, come across in my, in my consultancy work, can I see some patterns there in terms, uh, in cases? And, uh, is there some way to group them? Because that means you can start to look from a research perspective, at a higher level, whereas uh, the communities can choose the particular term that they're interested in for their practical purposes. So it's kind of finding that match between generalizing lessons learned and customizing uh, practices that work in a community.
1: And and um, when so when I hear ontology, right? You could imagine reading through the paper. You're you're kind of coming. Hey, this is the like the set of terms that you can use. And I think it's it's quite different what you're talking about here. And so this is the way to think about it then like so say project is an important part of the ontology there might be a unique term that any given context would use but you're mapping that back to project is that how it works
0: yeah you could say that uh for example it, when i start to look at uh, a particular community uh, i have uh, experience in other communities uh, that they are working with projects and then i can say is this the term that you use or maybe you have uh, uh, specialization of that term, maybe a refinement of that term. And I can put that back into the ontology. So when I visit another case, I can suggest to them that, hey, maybe this term that the previous community uh, used uh, as a project type of, of term uh, fits for you. And then they say, hey, yeah, exactly. That's what we're looking at. And that's what I then use for configuring the Google Maps. So.
1: Great. So one of the other terms that jumped out to me was participatory, right? Lots of people use that term. But what, is, what does that mean to you in your approach?
0: Yeah, participatory really means um, that the maps should uh, be meaningful to the community. And the only way to make it meaningful the uh, community itself is first the language of the types of uh, elements and connections. And then, of course, what they're going to put on the map. Uh, what you often see when you get external consultants in, for example, or systems developers, they make a total model of the uh, universe uh, that uh, people work, uh, live and work in. Uh, but that's their perspective, the external consultants uh, And that, again, can be alien because people say, okay, I only recognize a few of the terms in there, and the rest, well, who knows what that means. Uh, uh, So I disassociate myself from that map. Whereas if you do participatory mapping, it really means that you start with the community to say, okay, what's your pressing problem now? What uh, are the stakeholders involved? What are the actions that they're working on? What are the resources that they use? What are the issues? So everything that's put on the map has meaning, is relevant to that uh, community. And that means they can actually start using it for their sense-making to together decide what are the issues that we face and what are the actions that we want to take. So it means something. It gets kind of a status of uh, a boundary object between many different views, and that has meaning, that has life, has energy, has flow uh, associated with it. So participation, that means that you find all kinds of ways to bridge gaps between people uh, and find ways to maybe use very different technologies. Like with Kumu, sometimes there's not even power in a village like what we saw in in, in Malawi. Uh, uh, Does that mean we exclude the villages? No, we find other ways. We work with posters uh, and then later those posters are transcribed and converted into Kumu maps and they can be used at different settings and maybe even printed and fed back to the village for future, future assessment and evaluation and discussion. So it's finding those ways, those socio-technical ways of, of weaving uh, interactions and uh, relationships between people.
1: And uh, how often do uh, the communities you work with end up getting involved directly in kind of entering information in Kumu or building out Kumu maps or interacting with the Kumu maps? Tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, there's uh, many different ways. What I find so far still is that mapping is really complex. I think it always will remain uh, complex. Uh, In history, cartography has always been a very specialized uh, thing. And um, I think that uh, uh, it's important to, to in a very focused way, see the roles that people play in uh, the mapping. Not everybody has to know all the ins and outs of the Kumu goodies that uh, you guys are developing in such a splendid way. Uh, so they're kind of more like the architectural roles. That's the role that I often play. I come in and I help to get them to get started. And then you have the coordinators. Those are the mappers who, who get people to actually come together uh, to, to make sense of what they see. They're more like the organizational uh, people. They often only use the maps or, for example, they could uh, enter data once we have set the architecture of the map. So once we have kind of identified what which of the Kumu functionalities we want to use, uh, what kind of uh, element types and connection types are needed, what kind of perspectives and views uh, they need, and then they can get rolling with that. So they don't have to actually know how to update all of the things in the, in the, under the hood. Um, so you train people, so we call them domain mappers. And then, of course, most important is that people start using it by just uh, looking at the maps and, and uh, playing with it and, for example, using it as an agenda for a meeting. Um, and I think that's still a work in progress. What we see is that um, people are still not used, uh, what I often see, to, to work with maps. For example, seeing that they don't have to look at the whole map all the time. They say, oh, the map is so complex, which is true because a ecosystem of collaboration is extremely complex like any ecosystem uh, is. But, you should focus on a part that's really relevant for your group of people within the overall context. And what's so neat about the maps is that actually it's more like a visual knowledge base rather than a map, uh, which is under uh, underlying a map. And through that visual knowledge base, uh, you can find connections between different views that uh, may be very surprising to people. So people can focus on what's relevant to them and through the whole Kumu Uh, knowledge base you can then uh, make connections and uh, get to the next stage so it's really about um, finding new ways of how to use these maps in creative ways uh, and develop the processes for interpretation to do that in a practical way
1: one of the other terms that's in the title too is toward collective impact and i think you flag this too in your paper and kind of the evolution um in in your approach but is this really interesting framing of working from or working within individual communities um, and helping them understand those communities to now working more towards federated communities and how those communities interact and kind of build more more towards collective impact so would love can you just share a little bit more about that journey right and what what were some of the uh, things that pushed you in that direction or some of the kind of learnings that you had in some of the grown zone moments and kind of trying to make that shift towards working across communities
0: yeah, I think uh, what we often see is that people think about a community as an isolated thing. But what you often see in, in real big, wicked problems is that you have networks of communities, many different communities interacting. And typically, communities are very good at what makes them a community. They have a shared identity. They have a shared focus of the things they're interested in. The moment they have to start working with other communities it becomes fuzzy because what's that common ground between communities uh, so and uh, so, what I'm particularly interested in what are the kind of constructs, the kind of concepts, the kind of elements uh, and connections that can function as kind of a bridge as a tentative bridge between communities that get to know each other and an example is project I did for the European Union uh, where uh, 10 different European cities are trying to share lessons learned and best practices on social innovation, how do you deal with all kinds of uh, thorny social problems in your various cities. Uh, problem is, how do you get started? All these project, all these cities have many, many different projects, uh, but how do you start to make sense of what they have in common and what they could work on uh, as a network of collaborating cities? So there we use constructs like urban topics. Uh, European uh, Union has uh, that particular program, has a list of urban topics that cities are working on. So they are kind of ideal constructs for cities to get to know uh, and position their different activities around to see, hey, we have a lot of projects from different cities all working on social inclusion or low carbon or what have you. So it's, one thing is really towards collective impact is to identify those kinds of constructs, organizations, stakeholders, whatever it is that can help bridge uh, different uh, sense-making uh, processes across Community, So that's a, a very much a necessary condition. Um, what I see, though, is that it's still work in progress. We're still uh, <laughs> trying to figure a way towards that the collective impact. One of the big problems uh, of collective impact is that you have to think about, okay, whose impact is it? Nobody owns the collective impact because everybody is so constrained by their budgets, by their priorities, by their political agendas, uh, that it's often very hard uh, to say okay we are going to fund that next level that synergetic level uh, that really can help us to get to that next uh, effort so one of the issues there is to identify who are the owners of those collective problems um, uh, and it's really uh, it's a struggle it's a puzzle to to to, to find it but sometimes you strike lucky there and, and you get that kind of owner so typically it could be Uh, a government body like one project we're doing now is uh, on climate change where different provinces in the netherlands say okay we have to meet the paris agreement goals Uh, the netherlands has a commitment as a country but it has to kind of devolve down to the provincial and municipal levels to actually make it work but how are we going to do that so everybody's at a loss there Uh, so that's typically they have that initiative but nobody knows how to get that collaboration going because there is like hundreds of different organizations, NGOs, governments, corporations there, and nobody knows where to start so that 's kind of a typical uh, place to, to to get that uh, going and it 's a lot of trial and error. Uh, another thing is that we 're still working on uh, what are, for example the the right ways to uh, evaluate uh, collective impact. What does that mean? What are the indicators that we use? Uh, how are you going to get uh, those data? Um, Going. How, again, do we create ownership, like I said just now? How do we make sure that these indicators are alive and that they're meaningful and that they're triggering uh, interactions? Uh, So it's very much still very fuzzy uh, territory. It's often inching forward. But on the other hand, it's also very cool to see uh, the enthusiasm and response when people see, hey, we do have something in common and we do see fabrics of collaboration getting stronger. So I think the the main hurdle so far is still that, and I think that's the bane of (laughs) uh, collaboration or uh, development all over the world is that everything is project driven, Uh, all the funding structures, all the policy evaluation processes, everything is project based. We start over and over and over again. So there is a call uh, and then we have to build a consortium and you do your project and at the end you deliver your results and, we all dissolve, and we start all over again. So I think part of that solution uh, is that we start to develop new governance structures that start to evaluate, okay, what are these outcomes and outputs of these projects in that bigger context? Uh, and I think that's where the maps can be crucial because they're kind of a, a fluid governance mechanism or part of that mechanism because they create some kind of a intermediate uh, formalism between very rigid uh, hierarchical Typical governance structures and total uh, chaos in in uh, online crowdsourced uh, communities, and because they create something to look at together. And for example, using Kumu with your fields, you could add indicators once they are needed, and you can start to filter on that. You can create perspectives. So we're still really at the very beginning of figuring out how it works.
1: It sounds too like even. So even the people who you're working with, right, like those those people choosing to work with you and having this type of focus come along, that's already like very ahead of the curve, like forward-leaning type of stuff. I think for me, one of the questions is just like, A, how do you even get involved in some of these projects? And then if you're trying to pitch to someone like that is involved in these types of issues or is facing these types of collective challenges what's that pitch that you make to try to convince them that hey this is this is worthwhile right you might not might not fit within the definition of your project or it might not be the like direct services but what's the argument um for kind of why people should make sure to either invest in you right or invest in a similar process
0: well, yeah, it's a, it's a very good question, and, and and it's an evolving pitch. But I think my pitch uh, right now is kind of uh, okay. If you don't do mapping, you have nothing at all. You just have uh, power plays, and you have chaos, and you have meetings where everybody says, "Okay, let's have some powerpoints," and, and the biggest loudmouths win the discussion. And okay, let's do that because nobody has any clue what else to do. So it's kind of it's kind of a, a something to to start focusing on. That's the the first uh, uh, thing uh the second thing is that um uh if you cr- manage to make this part of an iterative uh process then it also can really become uh a way to 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 see the patterns to evaluate uh the project so for example i find potential clients that are most receptive are those who are in that role of having to evaluate proposals uh, and they have no clue where to start because it's such a mixed bag often, especially when you're talking about wicked problems like climate change and, and social inclusion and city renewal and, and what have you. So it's a way to, to get something to focus on, to have your conversations focused on instead of having fragmented conversations that go all over the place and have to recur over and over again. You can actually start, uh, see it as a discussion agenda. So that's part of my argument. I say it helps you to get An agenda for discussion and it actually helps you to continue your discussions uh, and get something out of that and add that to the map. So you're building uh, a knowledge base of your collaboration that you can reuse. It's reusing uh, the discussions, the the workshops, the the meetings that you've already, uh, already had. So I think actually, and this is an argument that I find often really helps them, uh, what these people who are coordinating these kind of uh, large uh, intercommunal, interorganizational processes often face is that, in theory, everybody is in favor of collaboration. Uh, uh, But the moment that it gets real, then they say, oh, but that's touching our budgets, or we already have a way we do things, so... Uh, and also a part of it is because it's just too complex people cannot visualize what it all means and, and that's when they withdraw what we find with mapping is that when you start mapping the safe parts the kind of the, the obvious parts uh, then you can accrue you can increment uh, because then once you have those fragments and you can say okay how are we going to connect them together so it becomes something in common and it also means that those organizations who are willing to really collaborate and do things together, they are automatically being drawn to the center of the map. And what's often the case is that nobody likes it when they represent an organization, when their organization is on the periphery uh, of the map. Uh, So it can actually become a very nice political instrument in the sense that you're not forcing anybody into collaboration. It's up to those stakeholders themselves to decide, and they may have very good reasons not to invest too much in that collaboration, and that's fine. But what you often see is that there's a lot of power plays uh, going on that are very draining. Uh, uh, So rather than trying to get everybody on board through mapping, you can start, okay, let's get started with whatever initiatives fly. Um, Whoever wants to, who's enthusiastic about getting started, you create an initial nucleus of collaboration and you make it visible and over time that nucleus gets bigger and it's a very powerful what I found in so many projects it's a very powerful mechanism that everybody wants to be seen and uh, I think that's a very deep uh, meaning of, of, uh, of mapping in, mm-hmm. in making it work.
1: And have you seen knowing you had some of the like the power play dynamic at work in the communities have you seen that reemerge in the mapping process or are there things that you've had to do to make sure you provide kind of structure and protection to have some of those influences not um, kind of corrupt or sway the a mapping approach uh,
0: yes and no but I think it's really a matter of, of uh, once the rules of the game are clear it's actually is surprising uh, how well it works because it's fair play and there's accountability because everybody it's a distributed way of, of building that map. And, and again, that's why participation is so important. If you presented iterations to different people, if you ask everybody to submit uh, their data and they're sure that all of their data gets in and then the patterns emerge and you can talk about what they mean or what's still lacking, there's a sense of ownership and trust. And that's co- that collective interpretation and ownership, that's a safeguard against a lot of the potential power play there. Having said that, what I have, I have been in projects that actually uh, stalled because uh, there were very powerful uh, stakeholders at the table uh, who were actively obstructing taking part in a, a participatory mapping or a mapping process at all. And I assume that was because they, uh, they prefer the, the, the smoke screens uh, that they can hide behind uh, rather than the... Uh, accountability and transparency of, of mapping. So you have to become very aware of that, um, but I think the, the lesson is uh, uh, focus on those who are really willing, uh, keep people to the official commitments that they all make in their mission statements uh, and also make it a bit of a, a fun game to see how you can uh, work around these hurdles and, and, and get people's energy flowing.
1: One of the neat artifacts you had in your paper, and I love just the name too, was the seed action form. So can you tell me a little bit more about what those are and how those are used in the process?
0: Yeah, that was uh, very interesting. That was the the conference uh, in, uh, in, in Zambia, the, the agricultural uh, conference that was uh, held by the uh, Global Integrating Gender Nutrition Agricultural Extension uh, Services uh, Network. Uh, and it's... Uh, run by several American universities who are kind of coordinating it, uh, including the University of Illinois. And um, so what I said is, okay, uh, we're getting people from all over the world here at this conference. It's a very expensive conference. We have only very limited uh, time. It's people representing large and smaller agricultural projects all over the world. They have a few days to meet, and if they don't meet, they will sail past each other like ships in the night and never meet again. This is their once in a lifetime opportunity. So can we get something more out of that? So what we did is with a professional facilitator with Nancy White, we, uh, we used uh, a map that I created prior to the conference out of uh, surveys uh, where I asked people to kind of uh, characterize their projects uh, uh, in a spreadsheet, which I then put on one big map. And you could see, okay, what themes... Uh, do people do projects have in common, and the facilitator used that in her sessions and uh, One of the sessions towards the end of the conference was that people in small groups um, got together i think uh, three people approximately uh, and um, they uh, they started to look at okay, what have we learned in these uh, past few days? what projects do we represent what ideas do we have so very Uh, knowledgeable people who know a lot about what's going on and where the whole field is heading, Uh, this emerging field of interaction, interdisciplinary, international. Uh, Nobody really knows uh, uh, where it's heading uh, exactly. Uh, There's a lot of ideas, but it's still kind of emerging and nascent. And one of the ways we said, okay, the conference, uh, was a lot of exchanges, uh, but many of them stay individual, and uh, people go home and and stay with those individuals. Can we get something more out of that? So not just using the maps to, to, to for people to be inspired during sessions, but at the end we ask people, okay, together, what would be a next action that you would propose as a field that we could work on, like organizing uh, some kind of a manual for, or writing a manual for this or organizing a, a get-together for that or... Uh, doing some agricultural innovation project or whatever, Anyth- anything could fly there because it was just new ideas. Uh, but rather than disappearing into thin air, we said, okay, let's put those seeds for potential actions on the map and then also tag those uh, seed actions with the same themes that we use to uh, tag the official projects. So, so it's kind of... Uh, a lot of seeds that can stay dormant for years because this was a one-time event. This mapping was part of a one-time event. There was no follow-up uh, planned for this. Uh, but those seeds are still there. And maybe when you start watering them a few years from now, they can start to to, to uh, grow. And you still have the map to to see what potential partners to involve or what other activities to, to link to. Uh, and I think that's a key thing that the map can be used to capture some of of those key outcomes uh, and share them in a way that also people who could not attend the conference uh, may discover maybe years from now Uh, and of course that still has to prove itself but it's a potential that's definitely uh, interesting
1: yeah it's a beautiful analogy and a good good focus on avoiding some of the overly short-term focus if we don't start the project now it's not going to turn into anything but the idea and metaphor of planting those seeds and watering them is powerful um aldo then um if someone's thinking about um doing this type of work can you maybe just talk a little bit about what's what's the types of projects that would be best suited for for you to work on so if uh if people are out there listening this is the type of thing to definitely reach out to you to to uh have you be involved in a project what would that type of project be
0: well, I particularly I'm interested in, in really uh, uh, those kinds of problems with a, a public uh, interest uh, aspect. So particularly wicked problems like social innovation, like climate change, like uh, urban uh, renewal, like where there's many, many different uh, stakeholders involved, where the problem itself is often very fuzzy. Uh, there's many, many different ways to, to try and solve them or at least uh, get started solving them. And typically, the, there is uh, the uh, lack of existing governance structure. It doesn't fit in any particular organization's f- workflow to tackle that problem. Nobody owns that problem completely, just bits and pieces of it. So what I'm really interested in is those, uh, yeah, those those big public interest problems uh, where, of course, there must be commitment, there must be willingness, there must be a, a focus, a long-term focus, uh, a willingness to, to, to really get, uh, keep going, not just get going, but also to keep going. <laughs> I think that's, so there must be some kind of longer-term commitment then you can start to iterate, because another experience is that uh, maps are Powerful, powerful constructs. They have been throughout human history. I've been reading a lot of the literature on on historic maps, and it's just amazing what kind of status they've had and, and how people are affected by maps. Uh, that's also a caveat, though, because that means that people often get stuck in that map, and I think there's two responses. They're saying, oh, it's just a map, so I can do it. You don't need expertise to make it, whereas you need a lot of expertise to select what to put on the map and also what not to put on the map and also how to use it how to make it affect, for example, policymaking processes, which is often a very subtle uh, interplay of forces, as I've just uh, uh, explained. So you must be able to to um, go to see beyond that, to see that there is a whole process involved, that maps are not a goal in themselves, but that they are a catalyst of uh, network development processes, of, of uh, wicked problem uh, resolution, or at least getting started on the resolution uh, problems and it must also be really willingness to invest in that in terms of people money time uh, and so that the mapping is not seen as a separate process we're just going to map it's a one-time thing and uh, it's easy no it's not it's it's hard but it can catalyze existing process in which you're already willing to invest if there's no uh, process that the, the mapping can augment then it's no use getting started because then it's just floating in thin air
1: that's great and then we have a lot of folks who are listening who are kind of fellow practitioners getting started and doing network maps and systems maps um who are, who are likely kind of earlier on in their journey than you are what would if you had one piece of advice to uh, to share with them what would that be
0: oh that's a good question um well, I think one very good piece of advice that would have helped me is is to, to of course, get to know your Kumu basics. Uh, you have to really, to, to well, I wouldn't say inside out. There's still many features that I also have only superficial uh, knowledge uh, of. But get a few, well, I think two pieces of advice. First, two project that really uh, get you going and which you really feel that's my my portfolio project, something that I can show to people. You need, You do need a project that you can show to clients, if you just start to say I'm going to map, then eyes glaze over and they have really no idea what it means. So you have to have a live project. So even if it's just your neighborhood community, it doesn't matter. Something where you can uh, a showcase project. You need some that you did yourself, so you really have lived it. And so that's one thing. The Second thing really is to really start to look at okay, what is this community? Uh, what's making it tick? What are, what does it need? Uh, What are the community processes that this mapping is to support? So don't just get fixated again on on the maps themselves. Really try to deeply understand uh, the community. For example, one course that I did with the Omijar Foundation, uh, the systems change course that you guys also uh, uh, were involved in, I think that's really good because that means you're starting to focus on What's the underlying dynamics? What's the, the kind of world in which this is going to help? So that the tool really follows the process rather than that you're starting to push a tool. Uh, that's not going to work. So get your basics together. Get a showcase project that you can start to, to explain things around, but very much deeply understand the type of community and the type of problem and process that you're going to uh, uh, help uh, uh, move further along.
1: And then, a final question was just we had started talking about kind of the many different country contexts that you work in. Um, any kind of final lessons on what the like the differences across those contexts or kind of surprising similarities across those contexts uh,
0: well, since I'm always about bit mapping my company community sense and mapping about finding common ground i would I would like to end with uh, the surprising similarities mm-hmm. uh, that I think. Uh, which uh, I think that's what makes mapping so beautiful. Uh, it's, it's not just a job, it's it's a calling. It's uh, getting people together and, and uh, making them discover what they have in common rather than all the differences that are also there and uh, discover their common humanity. And what, for example, I find very interesting is that uh, I was working, uh, kind of the, was happening at the same time, and it's about the same... S- scale of complexity with the european cities social innovation project and with the uh the zambia conference and the malawi uh, agricultural uh, uh communities where we started to work with people in the villages is that they were all kind of feeding into each other in terms of of learning so the lessons learned during the european project i applied in the in the malawi projects but also vice versa um so and in a way, for example, what was really powerful about the Malawi project is that I think I applaud the people there also that uh, under very difficult circumstances uh, they are finding a way to make mapping work to to build uh, uh, to visualize linkages between agricultural stakeholders and to make uh, collaborations work better. And what I found so amazing and it's still inspiring inspiring me every day is that. When you go to the villages, you're asking people to start mapping their initiatives and you start to put the maps together and they see that they are seen, that they are not invisible, but that they're acknowledged as local experts working on the very difficult circumstances with a very high dose of knowledge. So you're bringing people together and then the way they uh, developing a whole complex process around these maps uh, I think in that case, for example, Malawi is really leading the way worldwide in terms of what we can learn, how to apply mapping processes in these larger social-political contexts that I was just talking about. And so I think it's what I find so beautiful working in different countries, different projects, different types of projects, is that, uh, it's that commonality that you discover. It's, it's all about making that connection, focusing on the commonalities, create, releasing those energies, starting to build some trust, and also, especially a lot of fun. it must be a lot of fun to work together and that 's releasing energies and and, and that 's also what I mean with collective impact it's it's starting to release energies, build little bits and pieces of trust, and then start to combining them and that's you're kind of developing a new way of governance that can really be profound, I think, in terms of uh, changing the world, having an impact on the world that actually you're creating a distributed model of world governance rather than a top down model, which as we currently see, sadly doesn't exactly work in many countries. And, uh, I think, uh, so it's a, it's a sign of hope. And, uh, and that's why I think it's so important that we start to keep, that we keep looking at mapping as much more than a technical process. It's not about the tool. It's really about what we can release. And that's what I like also maybe to conclude with, uh, the, the Kumu mission. And I think that's why uh, we've been in touch for so long is that we feel that we're working on that same kind of common mission through different ways. You're working on the tools and also the methodology. And I'm also working at practical cases and methodology. So it's about what can we do with this to really, uh, bring people together. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, what this is all about.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you, Aldo. Appreciate you taking the time to share all the wisdom today. And it's, uh, Uh, A huge honor to have you as part of our Kumu community. So maybe last, can you just teach us how to say uh, 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 goodbye in your local language? (laughs) Tot ziens. Tot ziens, okay.
0: And thank you so much yourself, uh, Jeff. And I also wish you and the the team all the best for our common future because I think you're doing an absolutely wonderful, amazing job in uh, creating the tools for the world to uh, become a little bit better.
1: Wonderful. Thanks Aldo.
0: Okay. Take care.